0: this morning at the life of Lot. And then tonight we're going to come back and look at Genesis 13 again as it reflects on Abram. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 13. And I want to read it for you, if I may, the first 13 verses. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, And all that he had, and Lot with him, into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, and silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also which went with him had flocks, and herds, and tents. (laughs) (coughs) And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou dost depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And here's a key text here, verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, that would be Eden, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and notice he pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. The title of the message this morning is simply Steps in Backsliding. Folks, backsliding doesn't happen all at once. It's not like you're living for the Lord in a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian one day, and the next day you're living in the depths of depravity and sin and backslidden and away from the Lord and, and with a heart that's broken. Folks, it doesn't happen that way. There are steps that lead downward. One step at a time. I'm going to look with you this morning at four steps here in the life of Lot that led him down to a devastating, destructive end to his life. First of all, we notice in verse 10 the uh, the first step in backsliding is the step of looking. We notice the Bible says he lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. He made his senses, he made, rather he made his decision based upon one or more of the senses. He beheld the beauty of the land, the lust of the eyes. He saw the benefits of the land. It was well watered, there was room, there were resources. By the way, Satan always shows the benefits of sin, never the bad side of sin. He shows the fun side, not the fatal side of it. Folks, there are many people today who make the decisions of their life based upon one or more of the five senses, sight, sound, taste, smell, and touch. They say it looks good, the eye gate, the sight. That's what happened here. He looked, he beheld the plain of Jordan and saw the benefits of it. So Lot was lured here by the, uh, the sense of sight. Folks, there are many young people, and not just young people, but adults as well, who make decisions based upon this sense of sight. For example, a teenage boy sees a beautiful girl, and his eyes kind of bug out. He says, man, a life, could I enjoy spending the rest of my life looking at her. What he doesn't realize is that she's not always going to look like that. Or she sees those nice waves in his hair, you know, and, and so though I could just visualize us in our retirement years sitting on a on a, on a on a, on a love seat rocker and, and rubbing my hands through his waves. And when they get to that age of life, there's no waves left. They've all receded and tied us out, and all that's left is the empty beach. Don't worry, guys. Beachfront property is much more valuable, they say. So someone said, God only made a few perfect heads, and the rest he covered up with hair. And Pastor Gary's trying to cover his He cheats it, lets it grow long on one side, and then kind of gets it over there. Anyway, um, so the, the, the idea of sight, it looks good, or it sounds good. A lot of young people today make bad musical choices based upon what they think sounds good to them. What sounds good may not always be good. In fact, I'm in the process, I hope to have it finished this week, on rewriting my little book called gospel music blessing or blight uh it was originally 44 or 40 pages right now i'm up to page 86 and i still have a couple more sections to cover so it's going to be about 90 some pages when i'm done um folks listen just because it sounds good doesn't mean that it is good and by the way speaking about music just because a symphony orchestra like the Philadelphia or the Chicago Symphony or the New York Philharmonic plays a piece of music doesn't make it good music. There's a lot of this modern music today that is every bit as bad as rock in the sense that you have too many rhythms going on at the same time, so much dissonance and very little melody, and emphasis on everything but the melody, and it just ends leaving you uh, tied up in knots. It never lets you down. That's bad music. I thank the Lord. I wanted a career in professional music. And I look back, and I could never do it now. But I thank the Lord that he spared me from a life in professional music with some of the stuff that these orchestras would be playing. They say, it tastes good. Well, yes, some things really do taste good. I'll never forget the time a few years ago when I was in California and got my first taste of a Marie Callender's coconut cream pie. And my taste buds exploded in ecstasy. Where did that come from? Keep it coming. Now, if they can make a 36-inch pizza, why can't they make a 36-inch coconut cream pie? By the way, if you have not had a recalibre, I think they are available in the freezer section. Don't buy me one. But I mentioned that one church that had five pies brought to me in one week. (laughs) But uh, I have a friend who's with the Lord now. He was a member of the church where I served as an assistant pastor for eight years. In fact, my brother wound up marrying his widow, so she his wife became my sister-in-law. But he was a converted drunkard. Now, some people, when they're saved, their appetite for those kinds of things is immediately gone. But that's not always the case. Folks, understand, tobacco and alcohol are drugs. They are addictive and this brother, every once in a while, we'd get a call from his wife. He, we don't know where he is. He's drained the bank account, and maybe two or three weeks later, we'd get a call. He's somewhere out in the Midwest or out in the Northwest, and didn't know how he got there, and and needed to get home. And what we noted was these binges were longer and longer apart, and shorter and shorter in length until finally he had total victory over it. But it cost him his life, dying of all the diseases associated with alcohol consumption. But he would say, you know, I missed the taste. Of a good beer, I cannot imagine that, folks. That has got to be a learned taste, like coffee. <laughs> Coffee's a drug. I mean, I, I don't mind the smell. Here we're back to this. We haven't got the smell part yet. Coffee used to smell good. I can't stand going down the soap aisle of the grocery store or the coffee. It sound it smells so so strong, and uh, the, but people say, "Well, coffee tastes." There's nothing tastes good tasting about coffee it's bitter it's vile but some people like it well that that's so be it but a lot of kids get on on drugs and alcohol it tastes good and then of course it smells good so we we, we sniff the cocaine we sniff all these other things because it smells good well something just because it smells good again doesn't make it right and the touch it feels good how many a young person has lost their, their purity because they were touching the wrong person in the wrong way... ...at the wrong time and not waiting until marriage. And yes, the touch feels good, but it leads to sin and adultery and fornication. And many a life has been wrecked and ruined... ...because of making a decision based upon one or more of these five senses. And that's exactly what happened in the life of Lot. He looked, he made his decision based on the senses... Uh, he saw the benefits and, and not the bad side of it. He saw the choice but not the consequence of that choice. But in verses 11 and 12 there's a second step down. And that's the step of leaning in the direction of that which is wrong. The first is just kind of looking at it and observing it. But the leaning is the idea of getting closer and closer to it. The Bible says, Timothy wrote, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy said, Flee youthful lusts. In other words, get as far away as you can. Don't see how close you can get to sin without falling into it. Stay as far away from it as you can. Eve in the garden, she sinned. Why? Because based on the senses, she saw it was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, would make her wise, and so she made a decision. And uh, and Adam was right there, and he g- she gave it to him, and he had My brother always says when something goes wrong, says, "Way to go, Eve." Nice going, Eve. I said, wait a minute. you got to blame Adam, too. That shows you what happens when a man listens to his wife, right? <clears throat> Not really, all right? Not, hopefully, Hopefully, if we husbands listen to our wives, we'll stay out of a lot of trouble. But he listened to his wife and got the whole world in trouble in a mess from which they have yet to recover. And so notice he was leaning in, in verses 11 and 12. He chose him, all the plate of Jordan, and they've made the separation. And, and notice Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom by direction where he could overlook the city he was near it uh, and then of course he was dwelling his tents were near near the city in fact if you look at chapter 14 right across the page in verse 12 we find that Abram's son lot dwelt in Sodom so by leaning he eventually moved into the city. Not only near the city, but in the city. Now, he's out there where he can overlook the city. And I guess he was attracted to it. Now, I guess they didn't have a lot of lights like we do, but they had fires uh, and, 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 and candles and, and lanterns and things like that. How many of you have ever been to Las Vegas? Anybody? Las Vegas is, they call it Sin City for a reason. Uh, but it is, it is mesmerizing at nighttime, especially from a distance. And Las Vegas is kind of down in a valley. And when you're coming from on the uh, north on I- and Interstate 15 from California, you're going down a long hill. You can see it for probably 10-15 miles. If you're coming south on 15 from Utah uh, and down into Nevada that way, again you're coming down, and you can see the city's lights for miles and miles. And it's really fascinating and beautiful. Every light in Las Vegas is there for a purpose. One of the, well, in fact, I used to have a supporting church there, don't anymore, and the pastor one night said, you know, you ought to get down to the strip after the service and just take a look. They have a, a replica of the Eiffel Tower and things like that. And I don't remember which uh, casino it is. It doesn't really matter. But they had probably the equivalent of a half a city block of fountains. And the fountains, they, just, they would not just go up, but they would go this way. They'd go back and forth and, and dance and go up and down. And they had big speakers about the size of the pulpit at strategic places around this uh, fountain. And they would play classical music like, like uh, Swan Lake and, and uh, the Nutcracker and music like that. Great classical music. Not one note of rock music. And the music was loud and you could enjoy it. And the fountains are changing color and dancing and doing all the things to the fountains. Folks, that was done for a reason to lure you in. Like the little light that draws the mosquitoes and all of a sudden they get too close and they're done for. Lures people in. They have cheap prices for their buffet meals and the buffets are wonderful. I'm told. I don't eat there if if I can avoid it. Now one time I had a meeting there, my motorhome was in the shop, so they put us in a, a casino hotel and you had to walk through the slot machine area to get to the restaurant to eat. And I thought, I was, I was very uncomfortable. I told the pastor, I said, don't ever do that to me again. If I have to do this again, let me, I'll pay for the, I'll go to Motel 6. Well, that was more expensive. I'll pay the difference. I don't want anything to do with the casino business. And uh, anyway, uh, every light there is for a purpose. So Lot moves in and Lot became conditioned until finally he moves all the way into the city. Folks, listen, uh, we need to stay away from things, uh, the sin. There's this third step. If you go over to, to Genesis chapter 19, there's a third step in, in the backsliding. Now, in Genesis 18, let me just comment on this briefly. We have the visit of the three men to Abraham's tent in verse 2. And we know that one of the three is Jehovah. Uh, Because the Bible says later on that Lot, uh, Abraham in verse 22, stood yet before the Lord, all caps, it's a word for Jehovah. In in verses 19 and and actually verse 17 to 20, God is speaking, musing with himself. Now I believe, I cannot be dogmatic about this, so don't hang hang me out to dry on this. Um, I, I believe the three men... One is God the Father, one is God the Son, and one is God the Holy Spirit. God the Father in, in a human form is called a theophany. A pre-incarnate figure of Christ is a Christophany. And brother, I have looked at all the uh, theological encyclopedias. I cannot find any word pneumonophany. So I'm going to coin that word. Uh, but it, it seems very clear that these two men, God said, I will go down now. And so these two men in verse chapter 19 are angels we find. They're not just men, they're angels in the form of human beings. So I believe they're the uh, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The entire Trinity is in operation here trying to save Lot from a devastating mess. Folks, God God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all work together today trying to save sinners from an eternal hellfire. The Holy Spirit does the convicting and the drawing. Jesus does the saving. And God does the keeping. We're kept, the Bible says, by the power of God. And so we find that Lot was in love with the city. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 19, Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now that day, on the surface, appeared to be um, somewhat innocent like, you, know, you put your chair out there and watch the people coming and going. That's not what it means. Someone sitting in the gate of a city in, in this economy, in this, in this time frame, refers to someone who is a member of what we today would call the city council or the county board of commissioners. It is part of the elected, today, I don't know whether these were elected or not, probably, but it's, it's part of the elected officials who conduct the business of the city. Lot is a member of city council. Now, folks, he's in a wicked, perverted city. You know where the term sodomite comes from? Folks, these people are not gay. I refuse to use that word. Gay means happy and carefree. Now it means perverted. Folks, listen, they are sodomites. They're immoral people. Um, During the time that I was in Phoenix, I had a transvestite come to my motorhome door. And I opened the door and I don't know... I'm not trying to be smart. I don't know whether it was a man or woman. I think it was a woman who wanted to be a man, but she had long hair like a woman because she did mention she was married at one, at one point. And she came and just started quoting scripture to me like, like the girl who was following was a Paul or Peter around and just just making a mess of things. And God gave me a message and you're supposed to listen to me. I said, excuse me? And so I invited the person to church. Well, would you accept me? I said, well, that depends. depends on what you mean by accept. I said, we'll accept you, but don't, listen to, don't expect us to expect your lifestyle. Well, why not? I said, because your lifestyle is not a biblical lifestyle. It's not a natural lifestyle. You are not what you think you are. You are what you are, not what you think you are. There's no such thing as sex change operation. If you were born a woman, you're still a woman. If you were born a man, you're still a man. Bruce Jenner is still Bruce Jenner. You can't change the XY chromosome. You is what you is. You ain't what you ain't. So stop trying to business. Be what you ain't and be happy with what you is. I said, listen, if you can't accept yourself for what you are, how do you accept me? expect me to accept you for what you think you are? Just a logical train of events. Well, the person didn't show up for any of the services. I didn't expect that they would. Turns out they wanted something to eat, so I gave a half a loaf of bread, the package of lunch meat. We notice that, by the way, Lot is a picture of a, of a carnal Christian. Keep your finger here, please, and go back with me to over with me, rather, to Second Peter chapter 2. Um, lot is not a lost man. A lot of people say, well, how could this man ever be in heaven? Well, Second Peter chapter 2 explains that. I, I want to jump into the middle of one of those long apostolic sentences. I- I've often thought if I was an English teacher in a Christian school, I would take one of these long sentences by Peter or Paul that takes almost a whole column... And have them diagram it. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> <coughs> anyway. Um, 2 Peter 2. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm in 1 Peter. I'm in 2 Peter. Beginning at verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Condemned them with an overthrow. Making them an example of... And to those that after should live ungodly. In other words, the lifestyle uh, of, of Sodom was was ungodly. In fact, our text in, in Genesis thirteen says they were sinners, ex- wicked, and sinners exceedingly wicked. And notice verse seven. And delivered just law, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Now the word vexed there means to be angry with. It's a term that is an English term. In fact, they still use that term down in the in the Caribbean islands. On, wife says, I'm vexed with you, I'm vexed with you, I'm angry with you, you've done something to upset me. Well, Lot was vexed in his righteous soul, uh, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with her unlawful deeds. Now the word just here does not mean only Lot, because God delivered his wife and two of his daughters. The word just is similar to the word "justified" in the sense that he had a relationship with God. Unfortunately, he was never a happy Christian. He was never a blessed Christian as Abraham was. We'll notice that tonight. And then we notice in verses in verse 8, twice the word righteous. Once he's called a righteous man. Once he's called his righteous soul. Folks, he lived there. He knew what was going on. He saw, he heard, and never once in his entire career on that city council does he ever raise his voice or offer some kind of a resolution to speak against the wicked sins of the city. He's quiet. He's silent. He doesn't want to stir the, 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 the create waves and, and stir the pot. He just keeps his silence and it eats him up on the inside. Saved, but a very unhappy man. Back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 19. In verses 6 to 8, we notice that he lost his peace with God. God had to actually blind the guys who came and, 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 uh, and, and, and drag Lot into the house. And, and finally drag him out of the house and his wife as well. In verses 6 to 8, he lost his peace with God. And he lost his power morally. In chapter 19, verses 5 through 8... Um, well let me read verse 4 but before they lay down the men of the city even the men of Sodom the Sodomites compassed the house round both young and old all the people from every quarter and they called unto Lot and said unto him where are the men which came in unto thee this night bring them out unto us that we may know them doesn't mean we want to get to find out who they are and talk to them get to know them that way it means to have perverted illicit immoral sexual relations they wanted to rape these men And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brother, do not so wickedly. The first time he addresses the men of Sodom as wicked. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. They're virgins. But let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do to them as as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore they came under the shadow of my roof. Now I understand that in that culture... If you were a guest in somebody's home, they were responsible to care for you no matter what. But folks, that doesn't mean that Lot had to give his daughters to these wicked men to be raped. Folks, I want to tell you something. As a father of daughters, I don't have any sons. I have a son-in-law and I have a grandson, but I have two daughters. <coughs> Twins, as many of you may remember if you were here back in the old, old days. They're 45 now. Um Folks my job is to protect my family and if anybody breaks into my house with the intent to do my family harm my job is to defend my property and my home and by the way I have a federal law called the constitutional right to do so which means I have the right yea the responsibility to kill if necessary in the defense of my family. If someone was trying to morally rape or or, or uh, molest my daughter, even though she's four, an adult now, I would do if necessary. I would kill to protect her, and I hope you don't think that's unspiritual because it's very spiritual, folks. Daughters and dads have a very special relationship. Guys seem to have a closer relationship with their mom. I did had a very mom and I were very close, and my dad was kind of kind of you know cool and distant we got along okay but I didn't have the same the same warm relationship with him that I had with my mother and I still love it. my daughters call me daddy now a guy just a guy grows out of calling his mom mommy but girls don't seem to grow out of calling their dad's daddy how many of you how many of you ladies still call your refer to your dad as daddy anybody see well a couple of, come on young folks you have a daddy. That term "Abba, Father" in the New Testament is similar to the term "Daddy." It's a term of endearment. Love your dad, and 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 uh, make sure he behaves. All right. So anyway, uh, I don't know. I don't know that a man can any more be more low down than to do what Lot did. So he lost his moral power. Uh, he lost. It, by by way of marriage, he lost his two married daughters. Look at verse 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters. So he has at least four daughters. Because there are two that are single and unmarried and pure. And there's two that are married. And so he he lost them as well. The sons-in-law, notice also in verse 14, mock him. He says, get out of this place. The Lord will destroy. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. He loved the city to the point where it cost him His peace with God will cost him his power, and morally and as far as his family was concerned. And finally, he has to leave the city. Um, Verse 16 says, uh, When the the morning arose, then the angels hastened lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and the two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed. And while he lingered, he still was hesitating. The men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. They were still unwilling to go, knowing the judgment of God that was about to fall. This guy is so far away from the Lord that when God's trying to save his life from from divine judgment, he still doesn't want to do it. And God has to force him to do it. And it came to pass when he brought him forth. uh, He said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou at all. Escape to the mountain and be thou consumed. And notice a lot here. Uh, He is is stripped materially in verse 30. Uh, He has to live in a cave. He, He lived in fear as well because... Uh, you know, he didn't want to go to the to the mountain. He said, oh, the servant, if we find grace, let us go somewhere else. I don't want to die up there in the mountains. And so finally God said, okay, in verse 22, go and do so. In verse 30, Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar. He's living in a cave stripped of all his material wealth. You remember back in, in Genesis uh, 13, he had flocks and herds and cattle. He had lots of servants. He was a very, very wealthy man. Now, what he did with that when he moved into Sodom, I'm not exactly sure. But I'm not I, I'm not so convinced that he gave up all his, his money and his wealth. He may have changed it in some other aspect, but he was still a wealthy man. And now he's living like a beggar, stripped of everything materially, living in a cave. And notice he's living in fear instead of in fellowship with God. But the worst is yet to come. In verse uh, 30 down to verse 36. And Lot went up out of Zoar and, went, and dwelt in the mountains and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in the cave, he had his two daughters. Then the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, there is not a man on the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. We will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And down to verse 36. Both the older daughter and the younger daughter commit incest with their father after making him drunk. He wasn't he was so drunk he wasn't even aware what was taking place. And these girls were no better. They may have not, they may have been pure sexually, but, but folks, they were not pure in their hearts. A stupid thing to say, we're, we're the only people left, there's nobody else in the earth. That's the last man alive. If the human race is going to survive, we have to take it into our own hands. Is God not able to take care of those things? And so they committed sin with their father. And the the result was that was the Moabites and the Ammonites. Both of which became a thorn in the sides of Israel. Later on in in the Exodus. Both of them became antagonists toward God's people. Not necessary, but so it happened to be. And folks, Lot goes down and like There's no, there's no record of, of his death. There's no record that ever again that Abraham ever met Lot, that they ever came together, had any kind of a meeting. This is the last we hear of him. He's living in living in degradation, living in fear, stripped morally, stripped materially, having nothing left. And he lives and dies as a carnal Christian. Folks, Jesus said, "I am come." Not only that you might have life spiritually, but that you might have it more abundantly. My heart aches for Christians who are living in the gutters and that's what they are. The gutters of of common everyday life with no joy, with no purpose, with no fellowship with God, without the blessing of God. They just live a life of backsliding and coldness. Don't read their Bible. Don't much come to church. Uh, maybe come Sunday morning, but not Sunday night and not during the week when you have special meetings and and uh, don't really have much in prayer time, don't 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 tithe. All the things that are basics of the Christian life, they don't do and wonder why God doesn't bless. Folks, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. you realize Christians are part of the problem in America today? We have, the salt of the earth has lost its savor. And instead of using enough salt and having enough power to hold back corruption, it's like we're just bringing out the flavor of the rebellion. Salt brings out the flavor, but if you have enough of it, it'll hold back corruption We've lost the power, and we're just kind of adding to the flavor of all that's going on. God help us. You see, there are constant, there are choices to be made. Lot made the wrong choices, as we've noted. But we also need to remember, and it's been brought out this morning in chapter 19, for every choice there is a consequence. I have met ladies along the way who have had abortions. And without exception, every one of them regrets it. Every one of them says, Tell the young girls, don't do it. What haunts them the most is, what might my child have become? You know, folks, abortion doesn't get rid of a baby. All it does is make the mother the mother of a dead child. And now, as you know, in some states like Virginia... They want, to, they want to say, well, it's okay if a baby is born and the mother doesn't want it. We can, we'll make it comfortable if it survives abortion. We'll make it comfortable till we decide what we're going to do with it. In other words, folks, abortion no longer is just in the womb. Now it's first degree. Well, it's all first degree murder. But now it's outside. The, folks, where does it end? Maybe we should go to Nancy Pelosi and say, you know what? You're for, you're for terminating the lives of these childs even after, even after they're born from the womb and survive. Maybe we should terminate you. It's not too late, you know, just 80 years late. I mean, isn't that consistent? But the, these people are not consistent. And I don't suggest we do that, by the way. All I'm saying is the Bible says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will have the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap life everlasting and the joys and the blessings that go with it on our journey through this life i hope that you will not copy the life of lot i hope you will not emulate him there's if you want to read more about him uh pastor john butler wrote a series of biographies on bible characters and he has a powerful powerful book only about 150 pages on the life of lot it is dynamite i think it's still in print and i would urge you to get a copy let's bow together as we pray Thank you, Lord, for recording for us the tragic story of Lot. You told us in Paul's letter to the Corinthians that the things which happened unto them, referring to the Old Testament, have happened and and been recorded, not just happened, but been recorded for our admonition, our warning upon whom the ends of the world have come, lest we follow in their footsteps and pay the same terrible price that they paid. Lord, what an awful thing it would be to die as a Christian, go to heaven, stand before him with nothing to give him, no crowns to lay at his feet. Must I, an empty handed, go? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I, an empty handed, go? Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. There are no doubt some here who uh, are far from you, perhaps that have, maybe some who've never been saved. Lord, you know the need of that heart. And I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will do the work of conviction and stirring and converting that needs to be done. And for that, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, this pastor comes. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning. I just want to ask a couple of questions. First of all, are you saved and do you know it? Do you have a Bible reason on what's the basin? And does your life reflect it? You don't have to raise a hand on that question, but there's the there's the question. Are you saved do it? If not, would you like to be? Here's the first question. Is anyone here preacher? I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure that if I died today, if I'd go to heaven or hell. But I, I don't want to die in my sin and go to hell and be forever without the Lord. I want to be saved, but I'm not sure about it. Would you please pray for me? Would you let me know by just quietly lifting your hand? <clears throat> just between you, me and the pastor. Assuming that you know Christ as your Savior, I hope that this message will be both a challenge and an encouragement to be right and to do right and to live right by God's grace and for God's glory. We ask now, Father, you would bless the word to the hearts of these who have listened and that you would accomplish the fruit that you have intended for it and for which we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Before the service tonight, we'll take the lid off and get and all that stuff cleared away so you can have the baptism. Also, just remind you to look, take a look at the things out there in the foyer. Um, there's some really great music CDs out there, the violin, the all all the different instruments. And so my personal favorite is the one on I Will Praise Him. So great. It's all really, really good music. Right? So let's have a word here. Father, thank you so much for this day. I'm thankful for everybody who's come out and we pray, dear Lord, that the word of God continue to speak with every one of our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for the clear preaching of God's word today, for the tragic and very clear example of Lot. Father, your word makes it very clear he was just, he was righteous, and that he was a tormented soul because it compromised with the world, with the flesh, with the devil. Lord, help us to heed the warning. All of us, none of us, are immune to, to taking those steps that plague the life of one. Bless Brother Ken, Lord. Thank you for giving him strength today to preach, and we pray to continue to minister to him, and, Lord, through him, to us. We ask that a blessing upon the afternoon. And, Lord, again, may many folks that we've invited, may they come out to you tonight, and may you do a great work in many hearts and minds pray in Jesus' name.